0: So, after many grim aeons, Terminus returns with an interview. The death metal guy couldn't make it today. Uh, he's wrestling alligators. I am the black metal guy, and I am here with very special guest, Alan Averill of Primordial, uh, Dread Sovereign, blood, Ex-Blood Revolt and now verminous serpent which is the immediate subject of this interview although i'm sure we'll get onto all sorts of other subjects uh alan you're in the studio recording the next primordial now right um
1: yeah i was um until last week um <clears throat> so at the moment it's just being well mastered actually the mixing was last week so um this is the finalization of the Artwork, the final master, trying to scrabble together stuff for bonus material and, you know, that kind of thing. The final little nails in the coffin, so to speak. So, yeah, album number 10 um, is sort of in the bag.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I want to come back to some questions about the recording for that uh, soon. I mean, right now, so, yeah, mixing, it's, it's out of your hands at this point, right? Or do you still have a hand in the mixing process?
1: Oh, no, well, I'm, you know, I'm generally pretty hands on with most of the things that I do. Um, it's a little bit different with Primordial because Primordial is like four grumpy, um, you know, four grumpy old tyrants all jostling for position, you know. all There's a lot more, bit more compromise than, say, with Dread Sovereign, which is, you know, I'm pretty much m- mixing that Um together with the engineer. I'm, I'm still very much involved in the tone and the sound and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, the other thing. Um, but, you know, um, there's that moment where you just have to trust somebody else's a little bit of their judgment. But generally, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly involved in every aspect of it, whether it's, I mean, for example, with the artwork, it's, you know, I've been taking the photos for the artwork and sourcing images and <clears throat> ideas and that kind of thing. So. I'm usually quite involved in every part of the process in everything that I make.
0: Okay, cool, so we're already talking about that, so we might as well just roll on, roll on the primordial recording for a little bit. Uh, yeah, so you, you know, you have, uh, what What sort of inspiration are you drawing on for the art now? Or, which ties into a broader question I was gonna ask, which is, where do you hear this primordial record going in relation to the last few? What sets it apart? What's the mood you're going for? if you don't mind revealing that at this stage, or the kind of images and ideas you're drawing on.
1: Uh, No, I don't mind. I mean, I'm going to have to talk about it enough times, but why not? You've got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, um, what happened really was that we, Primordial did nothing during lockdown. Absolutely nothing. Dublin was, not just Dublin, Ireland was, um, you know, rather severely locked down we we decided to just put everything on ice we don't write remotely we don't trade um riffs we don't do that kind of thing so um realistically when people began to say to us hey it's five years since the last album for us it's realistically two and a half years um but we got into i suppose um what you would call the what would you say the hurry up offense or something like this about four or five months ago. it's your American football reference for you. Um, And we just sort of sat down and said, right, we've got to go for it. We've got to trust in ourselves. We've got to um, start, you know, really accelerating the writing process, started moving things along because, you know, if you don't have a deadline to work towards, you can kind of list a bit aimlessly. Um, But no, we just decided that, um, all right, we're going to start doing this in uh, March. And last November, uh, I guess we started really in earnest, trying to put songs together, with some ideas. Um right now it has ten songs, um, which is longer and more than most promoted albums. Um, it's got its dark, gloomy stuff. Um, but I think the overall tone is pretty defiant, a bit more epic, heavy metal. Um, there's some old school um, black metal style moments like the first album, um, whatever you or you know that kind of thing um it's got i think it's i think it's a very strong record yeah um so we're very happy with it the artwork and stuff i can't really say too much about the artwork but i think it's going to be very interesting because we're moving in completely the opposite direction of where i think an awful lot of heavy metal has been going the last while it's um very it's very difficult to make something that's what you would call iconic anymore um when you think back to the um brilliant album covers of the 70s and the 80s which was more virgin territory so um we're trying to reach back into i suppose maybe something that lo- looks a bit more quite f- simplistic um a bit more striking and less fussy than most modern stuff but um yeah it's um 6 months ago um there was kind of nothing on the you know on the page and now um we're just about to you know, dot the T's and dot the I's and sign it away.
0: Well, uh, sounds like a great direction. Uh so a couple of questions about that. How how does the um how does writing at the faster pace, right? You've had at various points you've had much longer times to do to to write records. Uh how does writing at the faster pace affect the songs, uh and feed into the energy?
1: I I think it's good. I mean, we're we're not a band to makes, you know, dozens of demos of every song and takes le- labours ages over everything. I think that heavy metal in its traditional form, um, the blueprint of what we knew and loved as old school heavy metal, I don't think it second guessed itself too much. I mean, I think it kind of, um, bands rehearsed a lot, okay, but we rehearsed a lot um, in the writing of this. We just, sometimes you have to get to a point where as a musician, you have to trust in your instinct And I think this is very much an instinctual album. Um, It was quite um, calm to make, but very pressurized. And I think that some people really enjoy that environment. I do. Kieron plays the guitar, does. Um, You know, I'll I'll, I'll have the singing done and dusted in two days, mainly. Um, Sometimes one song just is one take. I don't fuck around. I don't see the point. I'm not interested in... um, it, it's kind of more of a, you know, of a snapshot. It's more um, instant. I find some people like to spend ages working on things, months and months and months, altering small things. But I don't. I, it's not my style. I think that if Black Sabbath can make an album in three fucking days, then you know you you should try and trust in your instinct. And we don't do any, like I said, file trading. There's no tempo maps. There's no click tracks. There's nothing like that. It's very much. Um, you know, uh, a sort of instinctual process.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I think there is far too much. Uh, yeah, far too much of the click track and the file swap and the uh, bands with remote members or just one guy cutting and pasting in Pro Tools or whatever these days. Uh, so it's 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 good to hear that kind of uh, shoot from the hip approach. Um, I've got some. Yeah, as far as the direction, I think a lot of our listeners, I mean, you know, we have a lot of, obviously a lot of black metal fans and a lot of, uh, a lot of people, you know, increasingly more death metal people and a lot of, a, a lot of things we've been covering lately have had a epic heavy metal flavor. There's been a real revival in that stuff. Uh, and, um yeah, so what... As far as epic heavy metal, what would be some core reference points for you? I, I seem to remember Primordial had played some shows with Solstice back in the day.
1: Hmm. Wow. Solstice. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we played with Solstice in '96. Um, when we made our second album, *Journeys End*, we stayed in the Solstice, the old Solstice house. Um, we had no money, going to make the record and nowhere to stay. We actually had no drums and no amps either, and Solstice gave us their um, their backline. So yeah i mean you know i i have only um what can we say uh great memories of solstice i know they're you could they can be a divisive name for some people but i don't care about that stuff um back in the day they were very good to us um and without them i don't think journey's end could have been made um yeah and you know they were also an incredible band new dark age um was is a fucking milestone record and also you know the last few um I am the hunter and all that kind of stuff i really or what's that called death's crown is victory this is a great great ep so um the well the, for us the i mean look the epic primordial is the epic primordial it's the same well of influences i suppose for that style we've been drawing on since we started the band so you're for the epic stuff you're talking about you know i suppose the bigger period of Bathory. Um, there is you know we, we our traditional metal upbringing comes out in our influences as well they're just kind of quite all over the place as in you'll hear irish traditional uh guitar playing styles in there and six eight timings and stuff but yeah i mean you know you're 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 still talking candlemas black sabbath bathory um those are the epic metal parts and you know there's there's of course that you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, that primordial churn, that six eight churn. Um that, you know, you you will hear in Thin Lizzy Emerald or something, um, with that element of traditional music. But you know, we're there's there's still we still wear our heavy metal on our sleeves, so to speak. So there's a quite a lot of um quite aggressive, clean singing going on. There's of course still some dissonant dark black metal elements, but I think it's um got a quite a round, rich, bottom-endy, hard tone to it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, look, primordial, epic primordial is epic. Primordial, on album number 10, you're not really going to be introducing, um, you know, too many new elements to it. Primordial is what it is, you know, but certainly I think that it's how we say, it, it will be epic heavy metal without being, I suppose, 80s trad style epic metal in that it's got a sort of very dark, um, you, um, tragic, yet uplifting element to it, Like, because it, it's serious as fuck. Um, there's no, <laughs> there's no, we're not playing with, um, we're not playing with, um, you know, I, what could you say? We're not playing with things that don't exist. We're not playing with fantasy. Primordial is based very much in a very grim, dark reality. And so it's at the same time got that pained, um, tragic, um, sort of rebellious, but genuinely rebellious, um, underpinning to all of its, you know, aesthetic and emotion and all of that stuff. But it's dark, it's
0: dark as fuck. Yeah, that um certainly fit into the times. And I think a point a lot of people miss about well, what is it? Uh what's the line in the Manila Road song? It's not just fantasy, even with Manila Road, which people think of as, you know, fantasy metal, right? The whole point was it was about real life and the epic and the epic and mythic undertone of real life for those with eyes to see it and the then the grim darkness of real life. <laughs> Uh, even back in the 80s, which was a different time, obviously. But um, yeah, something we talk about the sh- on a lot on the show is the idea that uh, heavy metal can be... How do you do heavy metal as extreme metal, right? Because obviously black and death metal were written in very different ways from heavy metal in the 90s. But how do you do heavy metal in an extreme way? And I think... Yeah, hearing the primordial... I can hear that throughout primordial sound. Hearing your take on it on this record is going to be interesting. Solstice is also a band that exemplifies that. Heavy metal, but with all the seriousness and conviction of black metal. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so you were also talking about that 6-8 churn. Um, and I love that you mentioned Emerald, because when, when we've tried to come up with an origin for that sort of... Uh, folky, sort of Celtic warrior sound. That's always what we come back to. Uh, it's a great track. It's really ahead of its time. Uh, but um, I, there was an episode, we did an episode a while back where we reviewed a very weird outlier album by an awesome Australian band called Semaine, a record called Indomitus, which is very deeply Celtic sounding.
1: Yeah, do you, I do knew you know to, Semaine? I knew, that, I knew that guy, actually. I met him here in Dublin, yeah. I remember him.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's a a great record. The lyrics read like they're just out of the tain or something. It's just batshit in the best way. But, um, so I was trying to figure out a genealogy of that kind of sound, right? And there's this, this, I'd be interested interested to know know what you were listening to when you guys were developing that sound. Obviously Bathory, but like at the same time, roughly, right? There's Semaine, maybe just a little bit after you, uh, Graveland, um, there's Hades in Norway, right? A little yeah, you yeah,
1: you have Yeah, and well but what you're talking about is actually genuine pagan metal before it before it turned into furry booted power metal. Yeah, what you're talking about is the first origins of pagan black metal, which is sort of early nineties. So I mean you can include enslaved in that. You're talking about yeah, you mentioned Graveland, Ein Hurrier, um Hades yeah who then became Hades Almighty um, there was nagura Bunjit from um, you know Romania there was quite a few bands um, at that early 90s thing of course in the woods are a great example um, there, there was quite a few bands who were not typical Orthodox or religious or satanic black metal icons, of even though we had one of our feet in in the in obviously within the black metal camp um, I think the pagan black metal origins obviously are, you can probably say Bloodfire Death is the moment where Bathory went from under the sign of the Black Mark stuff um, you, uh, and then it, you can see in Bloodfire Death it began to get a little bit more you know obsessed with elements of his own um, you know Viking culture and all that kind of stuff so that's 1988. I suppose Sabbat from England is a big big influence because I all three of Primordial who are still there um, we also saw Sabat in 1989 in Dublin, and Sabat was the first band that we saw who wore like leather gauntlets, and had like you know kind of black eyelinery and um, Tom G type stuff and sort of leather outfits. And um, we were I remember seeing like oh that that's I don't want to be a jeans and t-shirt DRI shirt guy. um We were it was quite inspiring. And then Skyclad, of course, in the early 90s, was the first I think to really put folk metal and you know, together. Um, but the black metal bands came from a sort of different angle at it. I don't think many of the black metal bands in 91 and 92 were really thinking about, as you said, 6'8", the 6 8 for primordial comes from um, realistically Kieron being very into Irish traditional music, and that's just a, a, a timing phrase 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. <says> or, you know, what, what Sons of the Mark on or something, <says> 1, ding, 3, ding, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So he, he, that's just what he brought from Irish traditional music, and we mixed it then with Bathory, um, you know, and Candlemas and Sabbath and stuff. But I don't think many of the other black metal bands were trying to do that. Kurokon from Ireland were pretty much in the beginning of the whole thing as well. Um, but we didn't want to be overtly folky or Irishy. Um, and we sort of have, we have moments here and there, but we didn't want to have violin or flutes or any of that kind of stuff. We wanted it to be, I suppose, a bit more, um, a bit more straightforward rock in its, you know, drums, bass, vocals, guitar. type I think we didn't want to rely on an external other instrument to bring the atmosphere, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, there was a whole bunch of bands in the early nineties who were, um, you know, pushing slightly in a different direction to where most of black metal was going. I think In The Woods is a great example. And uh, we would have considered them as um, great peers of ours back in the day, enslaved, you know, of course our great friends who were still going. And yeah, you said you mentioned Hades. Um, yeah, Einherjer as well. So there are all those 92 to 95 generation bands. Um, there's, a, there's a few others I'd have to scrape my memory. Um, a few other ones I'd have to really think about. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of, I think that's sort of where it comes from. If you want to know where the the trad influence come from, I think you've got to, if, you know, if you go back to the early Tin Lizzie albums, the early seventies one, you'll find Irish Trad. They were a bit more of a sort of they weren't the hard rock band or, you know, proto heavy metal band that we'd come to love in by the mid seventies. But early seventies there was a bit more sort of Celtic mysticism about them. But um you've got so you've got Rory Gallagher as well putting in some trad moments into his blues. Um but yeah, I mean Lizzie Lizzie were doing the twin guitar um, I guess what's a little bit around the same time as priest maybe 73 74 started doing it because the first few lizzie only have one i think eric bell is just there on his own so uh, i would say lizzie's fourth album is the first to feature twin guitar so that must which must be 70 uh, 73 or 74. so for lizzie fans will be shouting at me but you know um you can uh, black rose is a good example of a song on roisin dove you know anyway i digress but there it's a mixture of those kind of things. Um, as for as for other folk or let's say other pagan metal bands, they would have taken something from their um, you know original where they were from, so to speak you know uh, Swedish and Norwegian bands I suppose would have taken something from their um, own traditional music. It's just that Irish traditional music has a very big imprint on the world. you know I mean, the chieftains have probably sold 20 or thirty million records um and so everybody knows the imprint of irish traditional music i think a bit more than most other people and that's probably because of saint patrick's day and a whole bunch of other things but anyway there you go long answer
0: yeah no great answer that's a really good map for people who are familiar with some of these bands and looking to find others and you know i think like uh, like we try to we focus very much on like contemporary underground stuff right and that all has its own very you know it's weird autistic canon right so like People might be listening to uh, Hades or something or Semaine more than they might be listening to a famous band like In The Woods or something, right? I've always associated In The Woods with proggy black stuff, but like, apparently I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that, right?
1: Yeah, the demo Isle of Man is pretty much black metal. I mean, don't forget at the same time, you know, you've got the Spectre of Burzum by Album, by Philosophem and Hvis Lisset Taras. I suppose, realistically, that's kind of pagan black metal as well. Maybe not the first two, but In the Woods Isle of Men is I think the demo was 93, which is the same year as our first demo. So, um, yeah, I mean, they had black metal vocals as well on the first album. So um, I think people should yeah, have a listen to Heart of the Ages, most definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Iron too. I didn't realize was a that old, or I think I thought of it as like some sort of folk metal band. I'm gonna to have to revisit that. It's a it's a, it's, it's a yeah. great map for people you make.
1: Yeah, I mean they they had their demo I think was called Aurora Borealis, and it, it's the same. I think it might be 94, 93. But yeah, I mean we are all enslaved as well. I mean Frost, Hordensland, Land, um, you know these they're they're drawing on um, you know pagan influences as well. There's a there, there's a bunch of bands really when you when you look around you know
0: and and would you say you were sort of generally in touch with and tuned into what all these bands were doing at around that time or is it you oh, were yeah. developing absolutely
1: your- no no of course we were part of I mean I started my first fanzine in the end of '89 um, so I was writing with I mean I'm all the bands I'm talking about I probably wrote letters to some stage between '91 and '94 um, yeah I was doing fanzines and tape trading and I was super involved. In the underground, in in those times, I did like five, six fanzines between '90 90 and '96, um, and yeah, you know, just letters arriving every day from all over the world, and yeah, it was a wonder. It was an amazing, magical time to be part of the underground. You know, pre-internet, writer let you know, letter writing, tape trading, getting stuff every week. Um, so yeah, we were totally aware of everything that was going on. And me and Kieran, you know, wrote letters to people. And, yeah, but you know, we were influenced by the scene as a whole, the energy of the scene. Um, that you would, you, you know, one day you'd get a tape in the, you know, you'd you'd get a a package, and you'd be somebody from Mexico or Colombia writing to you, um, or you'd be getting somebody from Israel or Poland or something. Um, but yeah, there there there's more, you know, pagan black metal bands that I'd have to dredge my memory and you'd go oh what about i don't know velez or tumulus or something like this and i go oh yeah of course those, those bands as well um but anyway yeah it's we were in the black metal scene but we just had our own i suppose cultural sort of um historical slant on it that was a bit different from the usual religious black metal
0: yeah, I feel like the Celts and the Eastern Europeans really converged on certain drone ideas, textured drone and triplet guitar stuff. Right.
1: Yeah, I, I would say you're probably right. I mean, um, you know, but it's all, it's all primitive stuff. They, you, you won't really find, I think, much pagan metal from that era from Spain or Italy or Portugal or Greece. It, it seems to be a a, a cold country thing. But
0: uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, cold countries, uh, hard liquor, uh, you know, potato availability of potatoes, uh, depression. Um, so, uh, what else? Another early influence thing, which I think we could link. This might be a good segue if you want to get into more verminous serpent stuff. Uh, which which li- we might link primordial to verminous serpent and be important for your work in general. Uh, the uh, my co host was interested. Well, A, he was interested in Skyclad, so you've already mentioned them, right? Uh, and Sabbath. That connection, uh, is really interesting to know. Uh, but the um, another thing like that, you know, uh, if was the question of whether you felt yourself to be coming, you know, your relationship to, say, the Peaceville Doom scene, which I know on your show you've talked about as being quite important to you, and it seems like intertwined with, uh, the development of Primordial, right? That's, I think you, so you were hanging out with Solstice. You also recorded, uh, Journey's end at the Peaceville studio, but well, what's your, we,
1: well, we mixed, we mixed it. We even mixed our first album in We mixed that at Academy. Um, we toured in 94 with Anathema. Um, um you know, only three or four di- or three gigs or something. Um, we knew my, my Dying Bride a bit. Well, less so my Dying Bride, but over the years, of course, there's been, you know, um, these were the sort of Anathema, My Dying Bride, Paradise Lost were the sort of big names within that scene and we became friends or played with them many times over the 20, 25 years. But Anathema, um, you know, we would have been, uh, we would have known more than the others. But yeah, that whole scene, that Academy scene, there's so much, so many good bands. And um, There was Chorus of Ruin. There was uh, so many good doom death bands from the UK back then um, that... It was just a really, um, off the top of my head, wow. Yeah, Course of Ruin, Devoid, Hibernoid, um, Chapel of Rest, Decomposed. Wow, Decomposed first Funeral uh, Obsession EP is a a real classic. Um, Corpse as well from Scotland. There was an awful lot of really good, very gloomy stuff from England in that early 90s period. That seemed to just rule the roost. And more so than death metal or um, other stuff. But yeah, there was there was a really interesting scene, and I think it was born out of people who grew up in the '80s in sort of hard towns, um, in sort of working class places, um, sort of poor places. Like certainly, like Dublin was. And in playing music was a, not just a reaction to that to give you um, something um, to take you out of all that. But you, you know the. Uh, you will find with most Irish bands from that stage we weren't playing aggressive, fast aggressive, frenetic, there was no black thrash bands from Ireland in 93 or 4, you've got Morning Beloved and stuff, but an awful lot of it was just quite gloomy, earthy sodden, wet, miserable um, kind of music and that sort of betrays the the, the Irish um, spirit at heart I think is one of a sort of a um, er, hard earthborn tragedy, or something like this. It's the nature of the history and our relationship to all of that, and um, as people. And so I think the North of England and um, Ireland are very, very, um, very, very intertwined and interlinked through migration and poverty and um, being, I suppose, coming from working class roots. So yeah, there you go. That's for
0: sure. Okay, that's. Yeah, I, 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 so it's interesting what you said about that being the specific kind of uh, uh, Irish and maybe just British in general, especially Irish and Northern English affect. Yeah, or yeah. There
1: was no, there was no fucking party music here. You know <laughs> what I mean, in '93, right. it was all quite dark. I mean, there was no power metal bands. There was no. Trad metal double pedal band with, you know, mustache and cheekbones and little guys with, you know, high tech boots. There was no Swedish muscle rock style bands. It was all and still is to this day, mainly quite dark, gloomy music. If you were to go to there's a there's a festival here called the siege of limerick and you go and you look through most of the bands that's kind there's an element of that you'll find with most of the bands who play i think you know and every time somebody tells me about i mean i'm sure there are of course there are irish bands who are you know got a bit of therapy and megadeth and play in sort of you know teenage thrash metal whatever I of course there are but the predominant tone um that we've set musically for the last 20 30 years in extreme music has been a bit sort of grief-stricken and gloomy and dark and brooding I, and I think that just reflects um, not only the people but our relationship to um, our culture our history all that kind of stuff it it, it it affects where you're from. We don't sound hot so to speak. You go to um, Colombia or Mexico or Greece the band sound like they're from a hot country that's you listen to Varathron or old Christ. Um, yeah, it's 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 a hot sound. It hasn't got that coldness to it. So definitely, geography plays a big part. I think in all these things. And,
0: and the coldness of the, uh, the 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 coldness of the British bands is quite different from the coldness of the Norwegian bands, which is uh, you know nocturnal wind, Odinic force. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, speed. I think well, I think the the English bands. If you look at look at Paradise Lost, Gothic, which more or less invented an entire genre. With this solo lead guitar singing out over these super down-tuned, gloomy rhythms. This is quite. Di- this is a different kind of darkness than, you know, black metal, kind of stuff. Um, bands like generally were. You know, obviously there's a speed element, but black metal, I suppose, for the most part, was much more dissonant and stuff. Um, it's a it's a different kind of gloom, all right. Yeah, that's for sure. And but I think Irish th- bands. Irish bands were more like
0: than the the Yorkshire gloom. You know yeah so would you say that maybe one thing that uh we've wondered about is do you think it would be fair to say that this sort of doom sound you're you're talking about not not just peaceville but this general sort of down-tempo earthy hard working class gloom do you think that's maybe the british analog to, to the second wave black metal stuff because one question people have always had is like why weren't there more given the histories of these countries and blah 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 why weren't there more great sort of black metal bands out of uh out of either england or ireland in the early 90s yeah
1: well it's an interesting question i mean don't forget there was also apart from sabbat and maybe death wish and onslaught there was no good english thrash either um you know it's and but having said that if you if you think about it uh, you know there's not really any good norwegian thrash metal from the 80s um, there's not really any good Norwegian doom metal, uh, with the you know with ex- a few exceptions, um, where Sweden kind of has it all. But yeah, I mean, look, a band from Sweden in '93 or four were probably not laying claim to the same um, working class miserabilism uh, that came from Yorkshire in 1992. Bradford is a whole other level of miserable, <laughs> and you know if you've been in Stockholm and been in Bradford, you understand why <laughs> one. Sound comes from one place, so yeah it's a di- it's a different kind of thing, but the the the, the gloomy doom filled um sort of grief of those old records like listen to Symphonaire by Madame Bride. this is dark, dark stuff, and I think probably darker than diabolical full moon mysticism uh it's it's got a sort of gothic horror to it that maybe only can exist if you know. Um, a bit more about English history and um, you know when you travel this desolate English countryside especially the moors and stuff around this area and you know you ruin gothic castles and all the stuff it's not stuff you really see if you're mooching around in Norway um, so the, the, it's, there's a historical uh, context same with Cradle of Filth if you look at the lyrics and the things they were influenced by and the writers there's a sort of a old Victorian gothic um I suppose aesthetic to it, which bands like Forest of Stars and Fen pick up on now. Um, there is a sort of historical context, and then the Irish version, I suppose, is a bit more um, agricultural. <laughs> it's a bit more primitive. Um, we don't have the fine, um, I suppose, medieval history in the same way. But it's so much of it is. Yeah, it's it's. I think it is a. a a the a sort of cultural internalized grief and tragedy of the, a, a nation's history, which of course is very different if you're from Ireland than from England. But yeah, I mean, you know, you you, you know, Liverpool was just full of um, working class Irish migrants, and so when we hung out with Anathema the first time in '94, we instantly got along with them because they just felt like they were just like us, you know, exactly like yeah. us. Whereas I don't, I'm not sure we would have felt a bunch of teenagers from Stockholm were quite the same but I'm sure that I'm sure they were, you know, cuz we all ultimately were involved in the underground scene and tape trading and you know so that that's what bound us together but we felt a particular kinship with um that kind of stuff okay yeah anyway. so yeah
0: so that's one thing i was wondering was like so was there was the the doom so you felt more connected to this you know uh british doom scene do you Well, I mean, let's well let's say well let's say this: we we
1: played with those bands and met them in 1991, 2, 3, 4. So we weren't meeting Immortal or Mayhem or something like this. We didn't meet some of those bands until 97, 98. But not many bands came to Ireland. So we would, ha- you know, we we did a little tour with Anathema in 90, early 94. Um, we met, my Diamond bride. We, you know, you'd seen part of We, you know, we hung out with decomposed Chapel of Rest that I played here. So nobody was coming here in 1994, but English bands who might take the ferry across. So that's probably why. But I mean, musically, Primordial probably has elements of that scene, but also has something in common with the, you know, the Scandinavian black metal bands because we were also inspired by Bathory, right? Um, and Celtic Frost, and um, you know, we we had our. But our demo is probably more black metal than, um, you know, Yorkshire Doom. Although, having said that, you look at the start of Among the Lazarai and To the Ends of the Earth. And yeah, there's there's and Darkest Flame. There's Doom in there as well. There's always been Doom in Promethea. I suppose this is the influence. This is just the mighty Sabbath weighing over everything, I guess.
0: Yeah. So that's... Uh- so there wasn't like a was there a tribalistic hostility between these scenes in the early like would I, I know the black metal people could be very uh, you know, intensely uh line drawing, right? Which yes.
1: is- Yeah, I mean I was a I was a I was a total black metal guy. Absolute. Um I mean obviously I liked other things and all well, the bands were talking about it, I liked them as well. But fundamentally I, you know, I was a sort of <laughs> a black metal upstart. So, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but go on.
0: <laughs> oh, I was just wondering. So, like, there was, I, I was, you know, the, the even the Norwegians, right? They had the, you know, we, we hate the Swedish posers, right? Uh, was there any, like, was there a sort of tension between, say, your black metal, the black metal side of your correspondence and friends and the more, uh, Peaceville thing right these because by their the I don't think so league. okay I,
1: I, I don't think so I mean like say um, one of my oldest and best mates in that scene back then was Duncan who used to be an anathema um, the old bass player and you know anathema would just come over in the van with their gear and play and we'd all just hang out and the first time we met we're both just wearing the same Celtic Frost t-shirt somewhere around 93 and you you know, but back then, Anathema were wearing fucking spiked armbands and um, bullet belts, and you know, a bit of black eyeliner and stuff. I mean, they were they were kind of doing pretty much what we were doing, you know, um, for the crestfallen and stuff. So yeah, I mean, no, there I, there wasn't really. I mean, obviously, when it's nineteen ninety three, so you're you are a dickhead, you know, black metaler who's you know, you know, has everything, making a name for yourself being a bit of a, you know, spiky sort of um asshole now and again. But no, not really. I, I think that we 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 weren't really like that. It's I think it was different if you were in the whatever the cultural zeitgeist of that Norwegian, Swedish, Finnish thing. I mean they you know that's they all had land borders with each other and there was the media attention looking at them in ninety three. All that kind of stuff. No, not really. I mean of course back then there was always the kind of you as a black metal dude or a black metal band, you were at odds with elements of your own scene um, who you felt didn't take things seriously enough for, but Hey, look, you're 18. <laughs> what do you expect?
0: For for sure. Okay. Well, you, you heard it from Alan guys. Uh, you know, the UK uh, extreme doom is the British black metal scene. Uh, and yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, don't forget you did have, I mean, you did have bands like uh, Dust of Filed, Cradle of Filth, um, there was, fuck, there was, a, there was quite a few English black metal bands back then. Um, and of course...
0: Hackety, Hackety is
1: good, right? Hackety and enthroned. Oh, I got enthroned, yeah. <laughs> we did a tour with them in Psy of the UK in 94, actually, yeah, I got enthroned. I remember those guys. Actually, still no Dill, the bass player. Still, after all these years, we met somewhere, I think in Norway, and we hadn't seen each other in like 25 years or something since we played together. 20, 23 or four years or something. Still going strong, yeah, still doing his thing. So, um, yeah, there was a bunch of other bands, Uh, Dead Christ as well, Um, Necrosanct, I think, or maybe they were more death metal. But, but you know, if if you want to know something about um, UK black metal, go back and check out Hell and check out their 7-inch from like 84 or something. Eighty-five and also the first Sabbat demos. If anybody wants to listen to Sabbat, fragments of a faith forgotten and Magic Theory and Practice, the demos from eighty-six—they sound like fucking black metal. Um, and Hell before that, um, you know. And of course, don't forget—it's not far from English black, you know, from this stuff to step into Witch Find, Angel Witch, of course Venom, um, and all the great new wave British heavy metal stuff. But you've got a lot of occult tinge stuff. Look at Pagan Altar, you know. Anyway, sorry, I'm rambling now.
0: No, no, that's great. That's that's the sort of stuff that people want. Like it's, uh, I I had not even thought about connecting hell to that, but um, yeah, no, that makes sense. You you, you know, you, you approach this stuff. I think when we work our way backwards we gravitate towards the full lengths or maybe the major EPs and the demos are interesting. But for you who were there at the time, you were paying a ton of attention to the demos and the EPs. You put me onto the anathema demos and EPs, which I like better than the recordings and which are very black metal in some ways, you know? So
1: absolutely. And there's, there's tons of other bands. I mean, like I said, check out Decompose, The Funeral Obsession, um, Chorus of Ruins, Swan Dive, um, there's so many bands seven church used to be cool. Although I'm not sure how the vocals stand up now um, There was there were so many good bands from back in that period, especially yeah. I mean the anathema um tours the sinister, I think is the demo um, Anathema were like 14 and 15 when they made that first demo. They were also they were called pagan angel before that So there was loads of great bands out there anyway. Yeah, go on.
0: Uh, all right, cool well, that was very interesting and so I'm glad we sort of started at the uh, that was all stuff that I had, like, maybe, I really wanted to talk about, but was like, maybe we'll get to it. So we started at the end. Now let's go to the beginning. Let's get back to Verminous Serpent. So that reco- that project uh, has, even though it's very clearly black metal, it moves at mid tempo, it lurches, it's got a doom feeling and mood. Certainly that bleak, uh, tragic, de- post industrial mood that you were talking about, a de industrialized mood. Uh, but um, t- t- tell us about the genesis of that project, and uh, you know maybe um, how you connected first with uh, Joseph Deegan and Matt Bree, and uh, yeah, sure. all that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, during lockdown, uh, Matt, you know, who um, I would see quite regularly, he just had this idea. In fact, it came from me playing the guitar and him playing the drums. Playing, uh, we're doing like Beharit or something. We had these rehearsal things where we would meet up uh, in secret and have little rehearsal gigs for 10 people. Um, And we were just playing Beharit or something. And then he just sort of had this idea, why don't we do a band like this? And so then he asked Joey, who I've known for 30 years. um, You know, Joey's mainly uh, Slitter and a tattoo artist and a bunch of other bands. And so during lockdown, we just got together and started to write these songs. I mean, the idea, of course, wasn't to make it super fast or anything. I have about six reference points, uh, which for me probably were the same reference points I had with Primordial in 91. Um, I'm only interested in uh, the Rodden Christ demo, Satanist tedium, Master's Hammer, the mass demo, Varathron, Genesis of Apocryphal Desire demo, Samael Medieval Prophecy demo, Order from Chaos, Stillbirth Machine, Will to Power, kind of um, seven-inch era, Fallen Angel Doom, Blasphemy, sarcophago i know i and some old south American stuff and that like that's it i have it's totally totally blinkered totally orthodox and totally uh close-minded in every single aspect so it's just three angry guys um uh, just getting together and playing this kind of super primitive black death metal um and it was half and half songs written between all of us um well it could not be half; it could be half of three of us but yeah you know what i mean um, and we just got we wrote the songs. we 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 hired a decent studio, and we went in and we played the whole album through twice in one go. Um, that's why you hear all the feedback between the songs. It's all just one fucking go. um, no overdubs, a bit 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 of guitar, add a few singing. that's, yeah, you know, I had to find a different vocal tone, but that's cool. Um, and just find an underground label and put it out there. and um, yeah, it's it's great. It turned out fucking really nasty, brutal, evil stuff. Um, I'm happy because it's something I, w- it's, it's like something I would have wanted to make in 91. Um, and so to me, like I said, I can listen to Order From Chaos, Stillbirth Machine or something and listen to it and think, yeah, that's where I, you know, that's one of the eight things that I liked to put together to make this Satanas Tedium Feast of the Grand Whore, there's a riff that's like that. That's all, that's all I give a shit about. So it's not making any grand statement. There's no huge angle to it. There's no deep cod philosophical nonsense in the lyrics. It's just all dark, angry tone to it. Um, you know, it's got the sort of medieval occultism vibe to the lyrics, but it's not profound, so to speak. It's, it, it's to set tones and textures. I wrote a completely different kind of lyrical style, sort of onomatopoeic. I suppose without sounding pretentious and it's the the lyrics are written to just be textures of sound with the uh, the dissonant consonants and hard tones of the words but the, you know so they don't really grammatically make sense which is why they're just written in one huge li- big long sentence in the back of the vinyl cool. um so there's no uh, people are asking me for to, to be honest like i've you know people are asking me questions that i've answered in 1993, (laughs) about Primordial's demo, and I just go, hey, it's okay, like, (laughs) um, I'm not going to answer this like a 20 year old with a big, deep, um, you know, pseudo philosophical take on the world as you do when you're 18 or 19. And that's okay. But um, it's just meant to be dark, violent, um, honest, analog sounding black death metal. Um, And that's exactly what it is. No less, no more, no big crazy story other than that it was made in secret during lockdown because you you know you weren't even supposed to leave your fucking house so um and that it's done analog completely live
0: um and you, which you can hear so you know that's what it is so yeah I, how does that tie into the writing so as we heard it it's, it's really you know one of your patrons also follow, is also a patron of our show so he mentioned something about the all the way through recording which sounded very cool you could definitely hear that that makes sense but it seems it seemed to us like the songs came out of improvisation or jamming at some point. Was there improvisation? How did you write the songs, and was there any improv on the recordings?
1: Yeah, well, there's tons of mistakes. I mean, I'm playing the bass, so um, I didn't overdub a single piece of bass, so it's full of mistakes. i I don't give a shit about that stuff, really. um it's i mean like like I would say. the the day before we had the first rehearsal i was sitting with my guitar and i thought i better fucking come up with something or else we're just going to stand looking at each other in the room like idiots (laughs) so i wrote i wrote the first song that we did and um we played it it sounded cool it was cool energy um you know joey wrote i think we wrote like two and a half each um my ones are the sort of knuckle draggers the sort of um slightly more simplistic ones but um yeah, you, you write your riff at home, but you jam it in the in the room. Yeah. And I mean there's the the likely the last song, the, the the last few minutes of it are just kind of wild. It's just sort of, okay, let's see what happens and whatever you play next. And um even with Dread Sovereign, I never play the same song twice. The same way. Never, ever. Um I really like things to be just kind of especially sort of reckless and wild. Um and just a bit you know that that venom kind of spirit of it just being a little bit hell for leather like just um you know um on the edge of chaos so that's what i like so um that's exactly what it is and so it's i'm very proud of it very happy with it hopefully we get to play some gigs i guess you know so it's gonna it's it's um it's like something I would have made in 1991. I would have wanted to have made in 91, And so therefore, I'm, 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 I'm really happy to, that it has zero percent evolution or progression. And that, it, that I'm very pleased with the fact that it's exactly like I would have wanted to make it in 91. Um, and that nothing has moved on a single <laughs> in, inch. That's why it's true black metal.
0: <laughs> the origin doesn't change. It's still there ahead of us. Ahead of-
1: yeah, exactly. I and I have no interest in any of that shit. I'm very, I'm proud to say my stance on black metal hasn't moved. In the dial doesn't move, hasn't ever moved, um, since like ninety two or ninety one. I'm exactly the same in my principles of that. I just happen to be older, um, and so it never should move. It shouldn't progress or evolve or go anywhere. If you wanted to, and you want to call put a prefix in front of it and call it, post black metal or it's po- up to you but in its purest form um it never changes it's just a sort of you know some sort of ethereal essence um and it's that's just how it is um so you know that was kind of like a vague answer i would have given in 1993 but whatever
0: that's uh, that's that's good and uh it's uh i think it's <laughs> It's good to believe in what you do. I mean, isn't it... It's it's so weird that we get told that having serious conviction about this music is somehow uncool or immature.
1: I don't give a fuck. Like, my point is... I mean, I've been around long enough that I don't have anything to prove to anybody. So if I say, this is my view on black metal and you're 19 and disagree, I don't give a shit about that. I'm not interested in your opinion. <laughs> um, You know, it's it's... If if you've been around at the beginning and the middle and the end of it or whatever, it's that's it's not um, you can't intellectualize a punch in the face so to speak, um, and that's Verminous serpent is just not meant to be um, over intellectualized. It's it's just a primal, primitive thing. It's three angry um, men making this kind of noise in an honest way in a room together. There's, I'm not going to dress it up in, like I said, tell you about well, the Rosicrucians were this deep, you know, this hermetic society and this is all the things they... Not really, you know. Okay, they were, They, you know, they existed in whatever it is, 1700. But, uh, you know, you've got to write lyrics that are inspired by something, of course. You just want this tone, this sort of religious um, occult sort of imagery. So that's not faked. But at the same time, um, you know, I'm not dressing it up in some sort of... Uh, some sort of emotional fantasy story. It's mainly inspired by just dark, negative, angry en- energy.
0: Well, there's an abstraction to that, which which is in your lyrical approach. It sounds like you tried to write the lyrics more like, uh, I mean it sounds like you tried to write the lyrics more like an instrument, like to use the voice as an instrument and write the lyrics for that. And you know, that's-
1: Yeah, I mean, you're you know. trying to, okay, the lyrics are kind of, they you know, they have a tone. They have, they're they about something. They're about trying to create a, um, to sort of, you, you know, paint some tones to the palette, but they're not like Primordial. They're not meant to be. See, when, once you've written lyrics for fucking 30 albums or 25, 30 albums, you need to find a different voice. You can't be, I can't be Nemthianga from Primordial in a Verminous Serpent album. That's why there's no singing. It's not, people go, what the fuck is that you singing? The whole point was it has to be different. So it also has to be different lyrically. Same with Blood Revolt had to be different from Primordial. Dread Sovereign has to be different. It has to be different. So the way I approached this one was to almost remove, remove most of the syntax and the grammar and and not have it to try and make sense, like make a point it's kind of just a kind of more tonal um as i said onomatopoeic approach to the words they are interesting and they're you know they're dark and they're pretty um they set a sort of medieval religious tone to them a sort of primitivism um but you know which is intentional so i mean they're not dumb but at the same time They're not filled with some deep, dark, hidden meaning that's going to help you uncover some sort of secret.
0: (laughs) Well, they're direct, they're focused focused completely on the feeling. And, you know, sometimes people use the word abstract to mean, you know, like, cerebral frou-frou with its head up its ass. But, like, at its best, it means the opposite. It's like, just the skeleton. Just the, uh, you don't need meaning when you just have the thing, Right.
1: It's, uh yeah i mean it's um yeah it surely does it's uh i i mean i don't know it's it's hard to say that much that much about it really i mean it's um th- th- there's no deep dark secret to it other than it's deep and dark <laughs>
0: <laughs> all, right. all right you so, know so, um, um Other than that, so okay, we've talked about the improv, we've talked a bit about the lyrics. Um, as as, where where to go now? As far as the um, the vocal approach, we kept mentioning we kept thinking of like Le Légion Noir or whatever the French bands, right? But I assume you're like thinking about male.
1: yeah. Um, I'm thinking of um, I'm thinking of things like Holocausto um from brazil sarcophago i know rye um old masters hammer um first album demos this very old obscure kind of mortuary drape maybe at the start of mortuary drape um this old obscure black metal tone and there's not much ah, like not much high it's a bit lower um maybe i'm thinking also of Varathron and um yeah, a bit of Blasmy, a bit of Beherut as well, but a, but with a bit more body. Also, stuff like, let's say, Incantation is a big influence. I'm a big Incantation fan, old Immolation. Um, I wanted some fucking, you know, try and channel a bit of Glenn Benton into some of it and some of that old primitive um, death metal style. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's the vocals are more death metal, really. But I just wanted them to be chaotic and haphazard. And they're all more or less done in one take. They're, I don't f- go back and fix things into or snap them into the rhythm too much. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're repeating random words. They're kind of, they're totally random, you know. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of old death metal in it. Um, I suppose that sort of late 80s, early 90s style um, entrapment of evil. Um, incubus as well. Oh, I mentioned that's a huge influence. Incubus, um, the not the Florida Incubus, the um, pre-Acheron Incubus. God died on his knees. Um, so that was a huge influence on everything. That's like my top five things for this to be like.
0: Where was that Incubus
1: from? I. I um, they're from. Hang on, just one second, and I'll tell you. Um, Incubus is the one with the inverted cross on the front. It is Gore Records, 1987. Um, it's where the fuck were they from though? It was the guys who some of the guys who played on Abominations of Desolation, Engulfed in Unspeakable Horror, uh, God Died on His Knees, Reanimated Mutilations. It's Mike Browning who's now in Nocturnus. It's sort of pre-Nocturnus Acheron. Um, one of the great seven
0: inches ever. So this is like pre-Morbid Angel stuff. This is
1: No, no. this is 87. So this would be after. So in 87 would be the same year, I think, as Die Kingdom Come, Down*. Morbid Angel. So it's after he left. He, he Mike played on Abominations of Desolations, and that's the first thing he did after leaving Morbid Angel. And Sterling Von Scarborough was the original bass player of Morbid Angel before David Vincent. So um, yeah, Abominations of Desolations, of course, is another big influence. Um, so yeah. I mean, those are the things. Oh, whatever 12 things I mentioned, <laughs> that's, that, that's all there is. For the other guys, there's maybe some more modern things, cult de ghoul um, or perverted ceremony, or stuff like this. but for me, no, it's purely 1986 to about, 1990, 1991, and that's all it is to it. I don't really give a shit about) it. Uh, that's that's all there is to The Serpent for
0: me. So you were not listening to Ride For Revenge, right?
1: Ah, I, I like Ride For Revenge a lot, yeah. Um, uh, the other guys, especially Matt, the drummer, he's really, really into Ride For Revenge. And that was one of his, that's, he would, if you were talking to him, he would say that's a reference point. And so when there's a riff that I have that, you know, in the first song, there's dong, 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 he's like, great, sounds like Ride For Revenge. To me, I meant it more like true drape, but it's, you know, it doesn't matter, really. Right for Revenge, definitely. Yeah, they're, they're, they're killer band. It's not that I don't listen to modern Black or Death Metal. I do. I like lots of modern stuff. It's just my reference points for writing, the things that actually influence me. Um, you know, I'm not a guy who, who uh, whose record collection just stops somewhere in 1994. I, I have a lot of new stuff. I, I'm not as much up on everything as I used to be 10 or 15 years ago, but I still... Um, I still keep up on things. I mean, just literally before week, I came in the door here. I was listening to this band, um, Deva D A E V A, American Black Thrash. Yeah, it's good. Anyway, so, but Incubus, God died on his knees, is a huge influence. Anyway, that's again pretty obscure niche stuff. But there you go.
0: That's what yeah. we want. I mean, I mean a, a thing a thing, pe- a thing people forget, right, is that. For people of, of your generation who were there at the beginning, the black metal people were listening to death metal. That's like a big part of where it came from. I believe. No, it's the same. It's the yeah. same
1: thing. It's the same thing. I mean, it's they were the same thing. Seven Churches. I mean, you look at you know whether it's Shona Mercy or whatever, or let's say Seven Churches, Screen de Gore. Of course, we were all listening to death metal. It things that what happened was that somewhere around somewhere around 1991, death metal started to be less about how great the devil was and more about how we should save the planet. And that just instantly turned a whole bunch of us off. As soon as bands started wearing board shorts and singing about the environment, I was like, no, I don't want this. What I want is axes and blood and guts and spikes and Satan and nails and fuck off. And, and I wanted the hate,